Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. All right, welcome to another episode of In the Can, part of the Barn Murder Podcast Network, where I, the Barn Chief, am joined by my friend, Brett. Is he ready? Is he player one? I don't know. It's been a long time. We're back to talk Brad Pitt's The Year of Brad Pitt. It's a movie. It's set in space. Pound sign Brad Pitt in space. That movie is Ad Astra, coming up next. I do what I do because of my dad. He gave his life for the pursuit of knowledge. Because up there is where our story is going to be told. This is a top secret psychological evaluation. Please describe your current emotional state. I'm steady, calm, ready to do my job to the best of my abilities. I will remain calm. I will remain focused. You look just like your dad there. He was the first man to the outer solar system. He was a pioneer. But there was much more to him than that. In 2019's Ad Astra, Brad Pitt goes all the way to Neptune to solve his daddy issues and finds out that, spoiler alert, Tommy Lee Jones still looks like a piece of walking leather. That's Ad Astra. Here we are, James Gray's sci-fi epic. I'm here with Brett, and I want to know, man, so when this movie was first announced, you were telling me, you were saying, man, I'm excited about this. Like, you named it as one of the, the fall features you were excited about, wanted to talk about, wanted to podcast about. It's a sci-fi epic. It's not part of any IP. It's an independently written script. It's an independently written story. And you said, I'm excited about this. We both saw it last night. We're recording this Friday night. We saw it both in IMAX. Walked out of the theater to a text from you that said, Ad Astra did not affect me, did not move me. What did you say? I think I said did nothing for me. Did nothing for me. Now, explain. Well, I didn't really have my hopes too high. I knew what I was getting in for, and uh, it kind of bored me, really, the first time. Uh, I will say, though, I also saw it again today. I tried to let it redeem itself. It is better upon second viewing, and I'll tell you why when we get into the details. Wait, you saw it again but, today? Yeah, I saw it twice. <laughs> Already? What the fuck? You yeah. can't see me. <laughs> but okay. I, okay, but let me say this. I'll probably never see it again. Uh, but why? It just doesn't have. It doesn't do anything for me. It's it's a it's Brad Pitt doing a good uh-huh. job, not yeah. as good of a job as he did in another movie earlier this year, which I will. I don't know which one you're talking about. Dozens of times. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's let's talk Oscar nods. Brad Pitt. Once upon a time in Hollywood. All right. Uh, yeah. I maybe and maybe that ruined it for me because I thought he was killer and entertaining and loved him in that movie and then ad astra it's kind of a it's like a character study that just didn't 
work as well as others that are kind of in this genre, like Arrival. That that's kind of there's a lot of there's so many recent space movies you can compare it to, but for the the character aspect, I would portray it to Arrival, compare it to Arrival, and uh, it just didn't do as well as Arrival for me, which is one of my favorite movies. Well, let me tell you. You are first of all. I'm part of the. I'm founding member of the Church of Brad Pitt, <laughs> yeah. um, where I'm. A, I'm a founding member and deacon. And I'm going to tell you this. This year has been great for a multitude of reasons. Two of which are two fantastic movies that star Brad Pitt. And not only do they star Brad Pitt, but they star Brad Pitt in fucking crucial roles where he gets to be a movie star. Yeah. You know, he, he, not only is he the handsome guy, last movie star. Yes, I mean you know that He's that's that maybe it. that's maybe that's the culmination of where we're going to get today, but. uh it's been a big year for that, for the, the church of Brad Pitt. You're committing blasphemy right now by saying that this performance is at all comparable, really, to the one in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, other than the fact they're played by the same guy. But what I want to know right now, before I launch into my diatribe about that Astra, is where did you get from first viewing to second viewing? Like what mm-hmm. you said, it was it was more watchable. Like what aspects? You know, where where did it get you? It, it's, you saw them. You saw it twice in 24 hours. Yeah. Upon release, so that's yep. a, a pretty unique viewing experience so i want to know right now you can provide a unique uh story about that i i'm gonna say i think that speaks to the dearth of awesome summer movies that we've had this year just haven't been enough to like i like i have not been worn out like i have in previous years where i'm like oh geez i'm back-to-back weekends or three weekends a month it just didn't happen this year so this was kind of my opportunity to go see a space movie to see brad pitt who but you know i'm not a founding member i'll sit in the back row whenever i sneak in but I love Brad Pitt. Like World War Z is one of my favorite movies and it's not a good movie, but Brad Pitt just, it's, it's the same movie only it's with zombies. It's Brad Pitt driving a film, but I think he has better dialogue opportunities in that one. Uh, I think that the fact that this was a space movie, it was kind of a, it was like a, again, back to so many space movies. Like it, it kind of harkened back to 2001, a space odyssey more like in its pacing than like a sweet space action movie. Uh, but like The Martian was just one man driving the whole movie. I thought that did a better job. Interstellar was like the whole traveling deep into our own solar system. And that did a way better job of capture, capturing my attention and everything. Uh, I just had so many movies that I was comparing it to. I think that hurt it as well, whether or not it's a good movie. I was comparing it to so many other recent movies in my head the first time I saw it that I was like, like, why, you know, like, why, why did we need this movie other than to let Brad Pitt shine? And I think that the writing let him down. If we want to get into detailed scenes, some of his monologues, I was just like, who is this guy that he says stuff like that? Like, I just didn't believe it. There's, I thought they were trying to capture too many aspects in one person, like the, the brave loner who was also, uh, great astronaut like a a shining example to other people the abandoned son like but he was also like a psychologist in his own head and he also had Liv Tyler just on the side like doing like in love with her but then abandon her but then like I just didn't understand where I was supposed to be at with him by the end of the movie and I spent so much time Mm. trying to figure that out that it may have distracted me from a simpler story and I just there's <laughs> there were so many parts that threw me off that I couldn't just love the movie how about that now that I have bounced around so many different places I don't know 
it's it's not going to stick with me. I'll just say that. Like it after this podcast is over, I probably won't think about it ever again. How about that? <laughs> until you and I are floating around Neptune. I don't know because this podcast is going to live out there in the iCloud ether. Let me until go. The, you and I are retreat to the dust, my friend. <laughs> It's 2019. That's uh, that's so. actually how I yeah, that's how I intend us both to die. Is that we're we're gonna be tethered in spacesuits? Yeah, uh, we got. You know, I don't know. A couple hours, kind of so, thing. you know, but, throw it out. <laughs> uh, I, I got have so many thoughts. Um, yeah, <laughs> the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I don't know. Three or four hours. So, Liv Tyler, mm. first thought: If I was dating her, I'd keep her at arm distance as well because she seems kind of really annoying. Uh, so that's like my quick, my quick live tile. Mm. She can show up and I can, she can appear on like a little movie screen and I can be like, Hey babe, you know, you know, but then ultimately like really don't necessarily want to share, you know, an apartment with her. Uh, I feel like she'd want to do like hello fresh and then, but, but she'd want me to cook everything. Just be really annoying. So just, you know. Yeah. See now, see now you're blaspheming because she's my dream. She's like what? my number one Hollywood of all time actress. All right, you need to do like three yep. minutes on Liv Tyler yep. then right now. And I, I, <laughs> uh, I mean, Arwen right. Evenstar, okay. obviously okay. she was like, yeah, sure, sure. she was my sure. bank, my entire the old uh, nerdy spank bank. Yeah. <laughs> she was my bank. Yeah. Uh, number one. And I just have always, sure. I mean, Armageddon. I mean, I was so jealous. That's the only time I've ever been jealous of uh, Ben Affleck. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm going to put that quote on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I love Liv Tyler. And even that threw me off. So, I'll, like, I'm not at all trying to say she was fat, but she was bigger in this movie than I've ever seen her. And I was trying to figure out if she was, like, pregnant at the end when she, like, walks into the bar. I was like, oh, is she pregnant with this kid? Because that would be crazy, like – and that there was just no addressing it. So either they just were like, hey, you're a female and we're not going to make you lose 30 pounds for a, a small bit role in a feature film, which is awesome for Hollywood, or something else was going on. So I, like even that was running through my head. Like, why is Liv Tyler bigger than I've ever seen her? And so that just threw me off. Like, it couldn't have contemplated I, your sexism. You know, that was it. That was, yeah. that was, that's on them. They, they, yeah. they didn't really look into the rural, like Missouri. Kansas why did they? all right so Uh, i'm gonna tell you i've known you for now for eight years not ten nine years nine years eight years nine years ten ten years yeah 2000 oh 10 2010 okay yeah nine years and you're an extremely intelligent person and you are accomplished and you (laughs) have a great life and a good wife you're expecting uh uh mazel tov to you and yours uh Mm -hmm. little little brad Brad pitt Pitt harrell yeah next month um, but I'm betting, I'm not a big betting man, but if I were to wager some amount of money that I would wager that you've never been more wrong in your entire life than you are about this movie. <laughs> like, uh, like they like, we will look back on this movie and it will be of the ilk of the American classic. Like it is, it is wow. because it, it, it is. Because I didn't tell you my take on this. Because like when I got out of the movie, I was like, "Dude, that fucked." And then I get a text from you, and it said like, "You know what? Left something to be desired." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" Like Brett's just punching me in the balls at this point. So we have to. That's why I was like, "We have to podcast because like we have to talk about our differences on this." Um, Yeah. I mean, you know, I I listened to a podcast today with the director, the writer director James Gray, um, 
Yeah. Can you? Are you going to tell me more about him? Because I didn't look him up. I don't yeah. know what else he's yeah, done. Yeah. So he, he, he's. Is he an indie movie guy? Not like, really. What, no. He, he, is that what's wrong with this film? <laughs> so he is a. Uh, first of all, he's a fun Hank. He's like got a real Brooklyn accent, New York accent. So it looks like I want to go to a Knicks game with him. So he's like a fun. Okay. Let me get. Let me go get a hot dog. You know, on you know seventy sixth avenue and then go to a Knicks game with this guy he's just a seems like a fun hang so first of all let me get that out of the way writes and directs all his own shit he's a contemporary of quentin tarantino the cohen brothers he's of that ilk in terms of his age like they all came up at the same time oh wow. only james gray decided he wasn't going to do any comedy really in his shit so he doesn't make like quote-unquote entertaining movies you know like that that seems like such a, a distillation of his work but well, he's not I going can, to throw I, in that makes perfect sense you would agree me. right yes yeah. <laughs> so he envisioned Ad Astra right to be apocalypse now set in space with a little 2001 thrown in if you're an apocalypse now fan the uh the late 70s which you Francis are Francis Ford Coppola odyssey essentially it's one man's odyssey through a particular set of circumstances and um that movie only works as long as you buy into the lead, you know, as long as you're kind of like with the main character, you know, that's a combination of things. It's script, it's acting, it's the star power of the lead. And to me, this, this movie had all of that. Um, I, it was purposely of an eyeball fetish. Yes. At all. Well, first of all, like cinematography, I mean, Hoyt Van Hoytoma, he, uh, he shot, um, Dunkirk, which, you know, is, is also a beautiful movie. There's no way this movie doesn't win best cinematography, of the Oscars. First of all, like that's my, first proclamation about this movie is that it is winning best cinematography, like hands down, just go ahead and conclude the category at this point. This is an insanely good looking movie. And of course you're set up, man, when you're doing space shit, you get to do a lot of the lens flares and a lot of like the, the cool, like uh, spaceship, you know, like really symmetrical scenes where you're, and you know, they they really did a, uh, they did a good job, I think of shooting it in live action. Like they had Brad Pitt on all these like harnesses. It was clear they built all these sets and it, that aspect, the filmmaking aspect I loved, man. Cause it was such a love story to like, let's fucking make a space movie, you know? And let's not, whereas like, you know, the Marvel movies, you know, this is my beef with the, you know, a lot of the modern superhero movies. Let's not put Tom Holland in a big green room and then create everything around him. Let's like legit build these sets, you know? And it, it got to the point where even he wasn't, outside these space sets he wasn't putting green screen outside he was putting black screen with stars painted on and he would project the planet onto the wall outside the set so that way the actors could see what they were looking because uh-huh. he was like because you can't react to things that are green you know and i and so all this shit i mean he's like kind of a man from my own yeah. heart really um and i don't even know any of that like i didn't know any of that till today when i looked all this up but yes he's more of an indie director than like tarantino comes in in the scene in the 90s with a movie called Little Odessa with Tim Roth, a Russian mob story, um, directs The Yard in, in 2000, which is a crime drama. We Own the Night in 2007 with a, a Joaquin Phoenix vehicle. Um, Two Lovers, The Immigrant. The Lost City of Z is his most recent movie, which I feel like you may have heard of. Uh, he did that with... Um, I have heard is it Charlie Hunnam. Yep. Yeah, so he did that. It, it's yeah, great. I didn't see it. It's, it's just an adventure movie, you know, in, in the truest sense, you know, like not hyper stylized like Indiana Jones. It's just like, let's go into the jungle and see, like, let's adventure. And I remember that was the first movie I saw by him, actually. And I was like, this is interesting. And then I kind of like looked up a few of his other movies. Um, so he, he Are we going to go back to cinematography? Because I, I want to push back on it. When does that part come? You, bro, let's go. Push back. 
I I was let down by again. It's it's exactly what you said. He was you're set up to win with a space movie, and I didn't feel awed by any of it. I felt kind of cheapened. Uh, I would I would watch Gravity over this movie, and Gravity sucked. I would watch Gravity over this. Uh. Just, just for the, just it felt so much more epic. Like, I, I don't know. It felt, it felt like they were purposefully trying to be minimal. They occasionally show like he, the spaceship going across Jupiter, and then the spaceship going past Saturn, and then Neptune was awesome. Like, I would stare at that for days. I would have, I would have put that project that on the wall in my room and just have that as my wall mm-hmm. for days. But it just didn't do it for me. I don't know what it, I don't know what it was. And maybe it's these techniques that you're lauding as, as brilliant and great for the actors themselves, but it just wasn't cool. For no, me. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not <laughs> lot. I, I, I mean, like, I think what we have to hear is, is what was going to ultimately sadden me about existing in modern yeah. film society. That, that is that it, like, this to me is, is a movie that you, you, you literally take like a Francis Ford Coppola in 1972 before he does Godfather two. And you say, Hey, make a space movie. Yeah. But then you have all these like CGI and stuff. Like we're going to like somehow like retrograde all of this technology. And so he makes like, uh, he makes Ad Astra. Right. And then it's a fucking classic, you know, like, and everyone's like, this is awesome. Then he goes to do Godfather two. It's a movie that harkens back to that era where it was like the, the wham, bam set pieces, which by the way, this movie had, I thought, some big whiz bang set pieces throughout. I thought it was well paced. I mean, that moon chase was is an incredible scene. And I I, I was I'm gonna tell you when I watched yeah. the movie, I literally yeah. sat on the edge of my seat. I mean, that's a, a phrase that we use, but I was literally leaned forward. I was fully engaged the whole time. The whole time I was thinking, this is a fucking masterpiece I'm watching right now. I was thinking, like, this is like in 30 years we look back uh, on this movie and like this. Let me just this say this we, we talk just to maybe help. I get what the you're first saying, half though, like of the I, movie, I really enjoyed it both times. I I I think the first half of the movie is way way better. Mm. In fact, I can name the exact point watching it the second time where I was like, "This is where it turns." It's after the moon chase. It's when they get. It's when the the, the long space deep space rocket. Yeah. Okay. Cut, rises out of the ground with all the fal- like symbolism that you need in a movie, and they Not take off from symbolism. Mars. At that point in the movie, yeah, <laughs> it's it was the. Uh, the the oh god what's it called in uh 2001 space odyssey the black uh jesus what's that thing called the black statue that the monkeys beat and the yeah Yeah. the monolith uh uh but yeah that was the exact moment and the second time for me it was okay these guys are deep space haulers which is what you know. One of Brad Pitt's voiceovers is these guys are deep space. Like they, the, out of all humans in existence, they possibly spent the most time in space. And then this next scene is them being fascinated by globs of water floating in in the air. And I know they took their happy pills and whatever, but like that to me was just when like everything got really dumb about the movie. Both times was just like when that scene hit, I was kind of like done giving anything to the movie both times sure i thought the mars scenes were just weird and off uh, i love the I, mars scenes no 
Not for I love me. her. I love, uh, I love, you know, your, your girl who's <laughs> yeah. in, uh, I believe she's also, yeah. Name all the movies she's in, Brett. Uh, like, Cloverfield yeah, Paradox. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she, she's also in Django and Chain, I believe, right? Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, yeah. And uh, The Color Purple. And uh, <laughs> That's bad. That's bad. All right. Uh, into the Jungle. <laughs> yeah, that, that's bad. Colon, Into the Jungle. <laughs> Uh, okay, fans, all three people who are going to listen to this podcast, I thought that she was the same lead as in uh, Cloverfield Paradox. Uh, mm-hmm. Having only watched that movie that? once. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why did I think that? Because uh, parallel realities, the, sure. qu- the quantum realm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so anyway, Ruth Nega. Uh, she is uh, kind of an underplayed performance here. You know, not all the screen time, but uh, look, <sighs> this movie like really is to me what science fiction can be. You know, and that's that's a that's a, a character study within the confines of like this really real space. And so I thought it a really good job making me feel like near future. I get that. That's a tough thing to pull off the near future. You know, because you can't quite go full like sci fi, but you also have to like kind of tether it, anchor it to modern society, like the the commercial flight to Mars, you know, which I thought was, I was, stuff like that. I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, I'm into this world. I care about this character, Brad Pitt. Like, this father hunt, like I'm in. Like, I just just take me on this journey, you know? And, and, and it did. And there was no point where I felt like, yeah, oh, here's the point where I'm like, fuck this, you know? And there was never any point where I sort of started diving into the intricacies of the story and trying to pick it apart, which sometimes happens when I watch movies, for sure. Uh, but I was like, when you get invested in the story and some characters, like you just sort of yeah. ignore maybe some of the, yeah. like the D space truckers effectively that are, you know, like playing around or whatever. Yeah. I get, I get that, you know, and I do that in a lot of movies. Um, but I just, you know, in, in James Gray's, uh, when he talks about the story, he's like, we tried to make a classic strip down story. Um, if you're stealing from something old, maybe people think you're new. So it's clear. He's like a student of, you know, the sixties, seventies, like these sort of slow character driven dramas. Um, and he's like, I can do this in space. You know, I can do this. It's not going to be a gimmick really. It's going to be like a, a dude, you know, with daddy issues hunting down his dad. And, you know, there's not going to be any crazy revelation in terms of yeah. aliens. There's not going to be, you know, like, whereas arrival had that, there's not going to be a gimmick. It's just going to be like, a in 2060, you know, I think this is how it's going to be. And I just like these character studies, I like human beings being human beings. And he just hires like a big actor and says like, be a fucking movie star. And I'm going to give you these dialogues. I'm going to give you these monologues where you're like by yourself, you know, we're a lot of close up shots of Brad Pitt, just emoting. Uh, and I bought all of it. And the scenes that I think were the most affecting in addition to the set design, by the way, set design, amazing. Like just the, just the, the fact that we're in real places, you can yeah. feel it, man. Like in, yeah. When he's sending the laser telegraph or whatever to his dad and it's like the, the soundproof things on the walls and it's like reds, they're on Mars. And he has those scenes, you know, and he like reads the letter at one scene. Then next time he kind of goes off script and just kind of like they just have a static shot of him at that mic and he's doing the thing. And I'm like, this is awesome. This is a fucking movie star. This is like, you know, Robert Redford, Brad Pitt, Pacino. Like it's like it just felt like that. And. I think you look back on it and you think like, this is a moment where this is just like kind of transcended the genre. And I, I get like, dude, people are going to be bored by this movie. You know? What's the genre? 
sci-fi drama. I mean, technically, but I mean, this, this is, I mean, this is Godfather in space, right? Like in terms of just like, well, at what point do we start distilling these things down to so specifics when they don't really need to be? I mean, it's just a character driven drama. So I, I don't know. I, I, I get it. You know, like, uh, this, I think really me and James were just kindred spirits, really. Like they asked him, they asked him, like, do you seen, uh, (laughs) Avengers two? And he was like, no, why not? I'm not nine. And he was like, he was like, if I want to see green, I can walk outside and look at the grass. And just like, it's like he, he, you know. Oh man, I hate him even more now. <laughs> no, I mean, like what? <laughs> so it's so funny because all the things you just again, those were those were detractors for me. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay, let me ask you this: Do you think that the uh, your experience watching this movie was detracted because you were expecting something no. else. Do you think it was marketed differently? What were you expecting? What you got? Yeah. I, and I, I thought it would be, but I will say up until the most recent trailer, I had, I had no expectations of seeing an awesome action packed movie or anything like that. But then the most re- the last trailer came out was when they started showing the, uh, when he uses the nuke to propel himself further. And I was, and that made it kind of feel more like a, okay, let's get hype. Let's maybe an interstellar type big shit happening. And so that might've slightly changed, like got me more hyped. And just as we got closer to it, I got more hyped, but, mm-hmm. but no, I, I, I knew that this wasn't going to be just eye candy transformers nonstop. I don't think it was, man. It it didn't reach. It didn't. It didn't add. So it was I the reason I asked you about what genre this is is because if it's sci-fi, it didn't add anything epic to my portfolio of oh, that's a shot that is awesome. Like it didn't do anything that any other movie hasn't already done in the last five, six years in space. It it had I, the the closest that it came for me was the drop when he is on the antenna at the beginning and he goes over the edge after hooking himself on and you see the Earth from two miles up in space like that was and that might have also hurt because it opened with that epic that epic view and I'm like okay this might be a sweet movie and I saw it in IMAX with laser like I could not have found a bigger better experience to have seen this movie on. Uh, rumble seats like i was at the amc and amc is from kansas and all of their cool technology they literally pilot stuff at the theater that i go to so there is not a better theater to see this in in the united states no reason to brag about that no reason to brag the seats like practically hug you as you get into them you it caused zero gravity like if the my pulse quickens with the sensor on my neck yeah. then the seats know that they need to chill out a little bit uh <laughs> the hot is your pulse ever going to 80 though is the question <laughs> uh, yeah cool that, okay so that they say your pulse has never gone over 80. Okay, so that means they're always tracking shit like that, like when they're in intense situations. he When he takes over manual control when they're landing on Mars and he says, I won't tell SATCOM about that, they know that it happened because that's happens on their spaceship. They have the recordings from every flight ever. Like Now I'm getting into my nitpicks with it that you said recently that it 
does a good job of keeping it realistic. I don't think they did it enough. Like they, there were so many times where I was like, that just wouldn't happen like that. It wouldn't play out. Why did Brad Pitt shoot one monkey and then not shoot the other monkey? And why did it didn't shoot? He punched it. No, he had his gun. Oh, well, you saw it twice. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't yeah, yeah. The, the monkey attacks him where he hits it. It doesn't back off, and then he finally gets it, and he shoots it, and it goes flying backwards. And then the second one, he just runs away from it. Like, fire the shot and finish the, the situation. But that – there were just a lot of situations where, where I – because I wasn't impressed at that point in the movie, I was, I was just in, in full-on, like, what's wrong with this movie mode. Uh, even – so, again, it started with the rocket launching from the moon – the next thing that happens is they have a distress call in space. And I feel like the only reason that that scene happens with the monkeys and all that was to show that there's people in space and that Brad Pitt is a major, but, and could have taken over, but they had to add tension there for no reason whatsoever. Like, Oh, the reason is pacing. The reason is like, have you ever, have you ever played mass effect? No. Okay, Mass Effect is a drama set in space, and you can complete the main mission in 10 hours, or you can do 300 hours of side missions, and that felt like a side mission in Mass Effect, which was completely pointless unless you're trying to get the achievement where you kill five baboons in the game, and he killed two baboons, and he's got to get three more before he levels up. Like, (laughs) I saw no point to that scene whatsoever. The point is pacing. The point is, like, sci-fi point is like let's let's while these people are on adventure let's have them do some adventures i I mean to me it made sense to kind of tell the greater story of this world which is that the kind of like the 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 common um pact that the countries have made with each other about the distress signal you Mm -hmm. know like he he rattles off the protocol you know and it was like i I don't know i i was i was in like the i mean the the landing of the spacecraft like uh I think like he was saying, he's not going to like expressly file a report or report it in the log. You know, I mean, yes, technically, if they go rewatch the tape, they could figure out that he piloted it, but maybe not. I mean, maybe maybe there's not a clear shot of the, the control sticks. Maybe there's a shot of behind the cabin, and you can't tell who was actually piloting, right? Like, and he was hush whispering, kind of. He was like, "Captain," like he, you know, what I'm saying, yeah, like, I, you know, all that could sort of like, and the they would record which pilot had control during the landing, and it would be the co-pilot like those are the things i don't want to nitpick about that but like i could i could that's i guess that's my problem you is just I like could, didn't do that in arrival you and just it's didn't because do that the movie you were like yeah i didn't do that in gravity, gravity I, didn't I didn't do that in in gravity i don't like gravity, don't movie. Like gravity <laughs> this movie is so yeah. much better than gravity it's like insane that you don't think so here's my okay so here's my uh one of the detractors for the movie that it has nothing it can do with it is the martian is so he he intentionally tried to write a technically sound book and then they adapted the book for the movie and but and he wrote another book the author uh gosh what is his name weir something weir michael weir james weir but he wrote a book called artemis which is a heist on the moon and they do some of the similar scenes and they talk about all the stuff that happens on the moon they're like you can't really drive fast on the moon like that's one of the things that they point out as just impossible because you would start to speed up and then you would fly into space by driving fast because you don't have all of the same physics that are happening to you on earth. So like when they started speeding up, I was like, Oh, in Artemis, they talk about how these guys would all just be floating into space right now. And then when they're, couldn't you wait? Yeah. 
Couldn't you weight your vehicle such that you would stay on the surface? Is that the whole point of a moon rover? It's it's like the same reason that well, like one six gravity, reason. right? Yeah, it's like there's still gravity, so you could there is you still gravity, your, but you weigh yourself six times what you would, like six times what a normal car would. I, I mean, you know, yeah. what I'm, saying. Like, I, I, I'm not a physicist. Neither but, am I. I won't say that. I just yeah. I just know there's yeah. specific like he he's very intentional intentional about hey, there's going to be some some nerds out here who are going to pick apart my sci-fi, so I'm going to try to. I'm going to work with them to make sure that it's realistic as possible. And so I wanted stuff like that. And like when they were getting, when they got to the station and the moon, again, they were just all walking around normally. Like it, it, it felt like they were on earth and like they forgot that the moon, you'd have to react a little bit differently. And like, so the, I envisioned like this, but the stations they were in to have artificial gravity, like how, I mean, that's just kind of like a like a, at some point you just suspend your belief. You know, you assume fifty years of sci- science fiction technological event advancement has caused the ability to artificially create gravity. You know, like I, I can't. I mean, at some point, you kind of have to like. I mean, but you either do it in every sci-fi right. movie you watch, or you don't. You know, to me, it's like that's sort of how where right. I have to get. Like, and and I I was ready to walk into this movie and kind of be absorbed into a world, unless something just like. So pissed me off, but it sounds like some things did. You know, that was that was the way it is. But I still like the movie. You know, I saw it twice. I'm willing to give it another chance. Like, no, you you have your have your take, man. Like, uh, I but I'm not gonna. I think this is. I'm not gonna tout it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I will. I mean, and but I'll, yeah. tout it, I'll but I'll tout it heavily. Disclaim, right? Like, it's not. This is not a movie I recommend to Joe Schmo in the corner of the street, right? This is like if you were, you know, like I'll probably throw out some movies. Like, did you like that? Did you like this? If so, you'd like this. Uh, and I think it, it accomplishes what it is. This is my jam. I mean, it was just like such a yeah. well-made, like you could tell like so much love was put into the making of this movie in terms of the craftsmanship and just like the, just the, uh, the making movies, just like, I love it, you know, just the yeah. art of it almost. So this it, it co- encompassed all of that together, you know, to create this kind of like what I think is, is a, you know, a modern sci-fi masterpiece that is in the ilk of what we'll like talk about, you know, in years, uh, but I get it. I mean, I get the. A lot of people are going to say this is boring. You know, this is the. This doesn't have like six million explosions or whatever. I don't think you're critiquing it from that perspective necessarily. You're not saying like it's not Transformers or the Avengers mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, you just have kind of have your own take, which is why I want to talk to you about it. But um, it's going to be a tough sell in the modern society, which also makes me very sad because I feel like this. I, this is the movie that I'm always like, why didn't this get made anymore? Yeah. The fact that this movie got made, the fact that some studio gave this guy like you know, hundred million dollars to make this or whatever it costs. Like, it's awesome. Like, yeah. I love that. And so I want people to see it with, uh, without, I want movies like this. without Brad Pitt. This movie makes $27 million. Like that's. Yeah. It's, it's and, and let's get to Brad Pitt. I mean, it, it's it, this performance, man. Uh, when shooting the climactic scene, uh, spoiler alert, Brad Pitt discovers his father uh, and his father sort of puts him down, you know, says like, I never cared about you. never cared about your mom. I just wanted to, care about my career basically which kind of might resonate with some millennials and baby boomer fathers aliens uh, yeah <laughs> it's actually this is actually a direct sequel to men in black three um yeah it's just <laughs> there's a tony shalhoub is doing an alien he's like hey <laughs> he like uh, shows that little cgi alien he's like hey someone forgot to take out the trash and now neptune's stinking <laughs> it up yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> anyway so, uh, 
Brad Pitt like has like an emotional scene, like cries, you know, like it was like one, one two, single. Yeah, that was beautiful. That was awesome. I loved that. Fucking amazing. I love that fucking shot. Acting. I love that shot. <laughs> but as the scene, Brad Pitt says to James Gray, he says the scene takes place in zero G, right? So he says, you got to edit this out. You, you got to bubble this tear off my face so it floats up because that's how zero gravity works. Rather than run down my cheeks, said, you got to replace my tear. That's not how it works with zero gravity. Pitt told the uh, director and writer. James Gray. And Gray responded, I'm sorry, I'm keeping it. The acting's too good, buddy. <laughs> See, okay. okay. And just like, I, that, yeah. that shit, that is, fuck, like, put that in a book and let me read it like 30 years from now. Like, that is like, <laughs> that is Write movie the book. lore. Write the your own book. Which maybe I will. Maybe I will. Because that's just the likes of which you don't hear about that shit on the fucking set of like yeah. any other movie that comes out right now. That's amazing shit. Like, yeah. Uh, okay, well, let me. Let me nerd out on that too. It it, it doesn't float off your face. It actually pools on your eyeball. So they have to, you have to, you have to remove it with your finger or something like that. Like when you cry, it just pools on your eyeball in space. So even Brad Pitt was wrong. And I know he's a physics PhD. So yeah, that's weird. Cause you, yeah, usually Brad Pitt would be yeah. right in terms of all physics, but yeah. Yeah. All right. So Brad Pitt, incredible performance. Yeah. I mean, going to be nominated for best actor. He will be also nominated for Best Supporting yeah. Actor for Once on a Time in Hollywood. He, as far as I'm concerned, to give, give him two Oscars in the same year. I mean, they won't happen, but, like, what a year for Brad Pitt, man. Like, you know, it's just not to come back. Yeah. He's always been here. But, like, that there, I mean, to, to take a control of a movie like this and just be a fucking star and have everyone that watches you care about what's going on, you're in every shot. And then to play a similar kind of like, it's like kind of the yin and yang, right? This is serious, melancholy Brad Pitt and Ad Astra, which means to the stars in Latin, by the way. Pretty cool. Uh, and then, you know, kind of chill, like bro-y Brad Pitt and once on a time in Hollywood, like, oh, I'd like to hang out with that guy. We know he possibly <laughs> murdered his wife. Like, <laughs> uh, his range, I mean, is, is, that's really his range. Yeah. It's like those two guys, but he yeah. does such a good job doing it. So I, you know, like th- this movie, I mean, this this should be a best picture nominee. This should, James Gray because this guy's like not yet been nominated for best director. He's a fucking artisan, and he is exploring his craft by making a movie like this. Give this guy a nomination, and then also, I don't know. Care about the screenplay? It's a little underwritten, but it's like you know the the, the dialogue is really not the point of this, right? It's the visuals and sort of the the visual storytelling and like the acting. There are some good monologues here though, so. You know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to the best original script, especially because it is just that. It's original. You know, it's like mm-hmm. a, a new story that's unrelated to anything. It's not based on some book. It's a fucking original story. And then the cinematography, man. Like, I mean, I you apparently I, don't like it, but, dude, there's, like, so many shots. I was, like, of, of him, like, just hovering, like, the static when he's on the plane going to Neptune. And there's, there's a static shot of him, like, when he's sleeping or whatever or passed out. And that, the, the way they set up their shots and frame their shots, it's just, like... It's unbelievable. I mean, how beautiful this movie was. That scene pissed me off. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but like you were just so concerned with just other, you weren't able to like, it'd be like if you were in like the the Louvre or something well, you, and some like little kid was punching you in the yeah. leg the whole time and you were like trying to look at the Mona Lisa and you're like, this fucking kid kept punching me yeah. in the leg and it bothered me, you know? It'd be like yeah, if I they just, stacked uh, the Mona Lisa off kilter, really. Like, like it's like you didn't even try to keep a, put a straight picture on the wall. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, uh, yeah. Your, your, your. There's like a big smudge, like on the, <laughs> like on the front glass. It's like a big shit stain. Sam was here. W U Z right next to the 
the picture and I'm like, who did this? What are you doing? And they're like, what's the Mona Lisa? Who cares what's <laughs> around it? Just stare at Mona Lisa. Uh, <laughs> we- I'll be in like the lobby of the Louvre, like talking about that. Astra. I'll be like, like homeless guy in Paris. Be in like, museum, what happened? You guys, yeah. that Astra should be in this museum. <laughs> We're talking about art. <laughs> Let's talk about art. Yeah. Um, well, you perfectly encapsulated it. So at the expense of realism, he captured a beautiful scene. Yes, Brad Pitt floating asleep by himself after going crazy for 79 days and 2 billion miles. It was a beautiful shot of him waking up with the ship, just not giving a fuck anymore and just floating in the middle. That was a beautiful shot. Not realistic, not physically accurate, beautiful shot. At the same time, you also mentioned Dunkirk and like Dunkirk didn't win cinematography back here. I think you're going to be disappointed. I don't think this wins best cinematography. No. Dunkirk did not, but neither did nominated. The Shape of Water, which and I think deserved it. That's a good looking movie, but fuck that movie. <laughs> uh, good looking movie though. Um, but I'm saying like this is like the this is the classic scenario where the Oscars goes like, well, we fucked you for Dunkirk, we gave it to Joe Schmo, but now like now like you you've made a classic like Hoyt. Come, come seize your Oscar, sir. Your um, lifetime achievement. Yes, like it's the classic uh, DiCaprio scenario. Which, and you know, like, yeah. and so give DiCaprio another one for fucking one sign time in Hollywood, which is a whole other podcast. Yeah, uh, has Brad Pitt won an Oscar? Oscar? Brad Pitt? Yeah. No Oscars. No Oscars. I'll I'll, I'll let you guess for the uh, most recent nomination he had. <sighs> for Brad Pitt, most recent nomination. Like supporting actor in one of the Oceans movies. Uh, no, best actor. Best actor nomination in the last five years. You got to mm. like. I'm so bad at this stuff. Last eight years. Last eight years. Twelve years a slave. So no, no. He wasn't in that, was he? <laughs> uh, I think he produced really? that actually. Dang it! I wish I had yeah. a less relevant fuck off example. Uh, I don't know. You have to tell me some hints or something. Is it should it be easy? It's a uh, movie written by Aaron Sorkin. It is a ba- he plays oh, a real Moneyball. Yep, gotcha. I loved him in Moneyball. So good in Moneyball. Moneyball is super fucking good. And uh, does and he yeah. eat anything in this movie? Like Brad Pitt's thing is he's always eating something. Uh, yeah, I noticed he, him chewing gum, and I noticed him the water when he was hydrating, and he the feeding tube. He feed the feed <laughs> Well, that's not capturing Brad Pitt's best ability to talk while Brad, eating. The Brad Pitt eating scene. Like, no, he's talking with his stomach, though. He's like, uh, he's, he's narrating as he puts in the feeding tube. His eight pack is talking with his stomach. Who needs a feeding I'll tube? I'll tell you that right now. He's a goddamn 55 year old <laughs> motherfucker, and he is so uh, insanely handsome and in shape. Yeah. He is. Who's your celebrity crush? Who's like your male, like your dude celebrity crush? Brad Pitt. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I'm telling you, I'm a, I'm a huge, I'm in the church with you. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not subscribed to really anybody hardcore enough to be as big of a fan as you are, but yeah, Brad Pitt, like World War Z honestly is, is in my top 25, I'd say all time. And it's not a good movie, but I think that, that movie that's really my Brad me. Pitt epitome like, of, of what he can do being in 85% of the scene, like driving the movie. That's. That's my example of where Brad Pitt owns. Well, when Brad Pitt wins an Oscar for this movie, and then 30 years from now as we're aging, 
and it, <laughs> it comes in the AFI, and they're like, wow, like we, we maybe didn't realize it at the time, but this movie is just a classic. I'm going to call you up, or maybe we'll be at the same nursing home. I don't know. <laughs> and then I'll be like, oh, you remember when Jerry said I asked And then I'll play this podcast. And I'll be like, and huh? we won't be able to hear it. Huh? Yeah, we won't be able to hear it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> huh? We don't have MP3s here. We only have MP7s. Where's the hologram of this? Where's the hologram version? <laughs> uh, Shit. I don't know, man. What's it? <sighs> Cinematography I, I just, I, and Brad Pitt's acting. Are those... Those what this adds. To, I think. To it, I think it. So I, I think it. It just adds a. To me, it told like a really realistic story, and in that I could see happening. You know, sort of like a. Real world in fifty years, kind of here. Here's where we are, like in a time period where we could very reasonably still be alive, um, and in in the way that, it, and I guess I really like the style of science fiction. But her, yeah, the you know, and yeah. uh, Wiki Phoenix, and and then. Uh, Ex Machina, like the the modern sci-fi, like the near future sci-fi where it's not so in the future. The creepy sci-fi. I love that shit. Like, the, yeah, like I just, I'm yeah. just like, I just like really. Black Mirror, do you watch that? Yeah, I do. I do. And I, I feel like that's like too much. Too Twilight yeah. zone Yeah. But I do, I get, I love that. I love that. So I love that stuff. So maybe it just kind of panders to my preference in sci-fi. Um, so I think but kind not of. not when Matt Damon does it. So not the Martian, not I like Elysium, the Martian, but the Martian's not fine. Downsizing, not downsizing, kind of yeah. Martian's fine. It's like, hey, let's like put the camera in Matt Damon, and he'll be like witty for two hours. Yeah, you know. But let, but let, like, do that anywhere. You know, let let Matt Damon fall into the crack of the Grand Canyon and break his leg, and then be witty into the camera and call it 128 hours. You know, like what's <laughs> what's the fucking yeah. difference? Like, yeah. but th- this movie had just something to me. All right, any more closing thoughts on that Astro? Are you going to the stars? Are you not going to the stars? Are you like, uh, you were, we're sitting here talking about this movie, you know, and you, you saw hey, it twice. Let's finish, it, twice let's finish the- it. For me, it's Ad Astra Per Aspera. It's the full quote. Okay. That's that- what this movie is. What is that? I think it means like, uh, you have to struggle to get to the stars. I can't remember. Maybe I should have looked it up, but Ad Astra, let me, let me consult Netscape. Yep, the uh, the very popular surfing engine. navigator. Yeah, yep. Uh, Ask G's if that jams up. Through hardships to the stars, per, Perispera ad Astra, or less commonly ad Astra Perispera, means through hardships to the stars. And that's through what hardships, this is. yeah, to the through stars. hardship to the stars. Well, like that's it's, about it. It's not easy to go to space, and that's where I'm at. That's about as uh, an accurate uh, summation as I believe that uh, one can say about the modern masterpiece in a movie that you'll be <laughs> dead wrong about. But um, here we are. Brad's been fun, man. And uh, we got to do One Side Time in Hollywood soon. Well, in 30 years, when that is looked at as the culmination. They both will be. <laughs> the 2019, they're just going to rename it uh, the Year of the Pit. They should. And the Year of the Pit. Let's do that. Year of the Pit. That's a thing. Pounce on you're the pit. Uh, I don't think I will like it in the dead pit. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I want to. You're the pit. Uh, all right. Okay. Talk soon.